You're listening to Innovating Smart, stories of sustainability for tomorrow's innovators. Explore all of our stories at innovatingsmart.org. What is smart? Smart is system savvy, managed intelligently, adaptive, regenerative, and trusted. These are our design principles for a sustainable world. Hi, my name is Natalie Forsythe. My background is in art and education, and I am passionate about advancing sustainable change. Today we are speaking with Ketera Ashfield, who is the environmental education teacher at a charter Montessori school. Hi, my name is Ketera Ashfield, and I'm the environmental education teacher at Eagle Peak Montessori School in Walnut Creek, and um, I've been working there for four years, and basically I'm there to teach the children about the environment, their impact on it, and anything having to do with nature. Um, we have a beautiful garden, we do work in the garden, we take care of it, and um, but also the kids come to my class and they do not only work in the garden, but um, they just they have lessons on the environment, such as recycling and composting. And um, I feel that it's a really innovative program because it's uh, in a public school, and um, it, it's elementary school, and it's just one of their normal classes like math or science or history or language. It's environmental education, so it's really cool that it's just part of their um, normal education. Thank you so much for talking with us today, Ketera. Uh, it is a clear innovation to be able to teach children that are so young about uh, how our planet works, the cycles of ecology, and how important it is to take care of the earth that we live in. What do you see throughout your days as the value being created for these children? Um... I see a great deal of value, but it's it's really interesting that you ask that because they already have this kind of innate sense of like their responsibility to the planet already. And so it's just kind of like, it's almost like a, duh, we knew that kind of thing, which is so cool to see because they're just like, well, of course we have to take care of the earth. Like we're humans, we're at the top of the food chain and we do all this stuff and so it's our responsibility, and it's so cool to see that that's kind of their natural instinct. Um, but I also see the value in it, like they just, they they know where their food comes from. They know like that a seed can turn into a sprout, and that turns into a plant that they, that they then eat, and then that plant drops seeds, and it's like a whole cycle, and everything in nature is a cycle. and. Every time they learn one cycle, they go and they learn another one, and they it all connects together. I think that's one of the coolest things they really see, like, oh, the water cycle connects with this, and the if recycling is a cycle too, because it comes back around, and it's just it's so cool to see how everything connects for them, and that they they really get that. So it's really cool. Absolutely, it is quite a leap in children. Uh, when I was growing up. I don't think people had the sort of awareness of, well, of course we have to take care of the earth. That's obvious. I feel like that's something that's really just been happening in the last many years. Um, as an environmental education teacher, you must have had this sort of uh, self-understanding come earlier in your life. What really got you started to be interested in, in, in the environment? And in... Um, I think I've always had a real, like, love of nature. I've always loved animals. Like I wanted to be a veterinarian when I was growing up and um, 
had lots of pets and just like spent a lot of time outside and loved nature like always always was watching discovery channel and you know just like loved that kind of thing um and then my like animal rights thing came out and when i was in eighth grade i became a vegetarian and i i then i became vegan and then in college i started studying environmental studies and i think that i went to oberlin college and it's a pretty green school we have this whole like green design um, component and we ate in co-ops and that really opened my eyes to like wow this would be really cool if I could teach other people this kind of stuff too. So. Wonderful. Um, how do you see the effect of this being in a public school? Um, I think that it's amazing that it's in a public school because um, it's um, it's just so rare. I mean, it's it, it would be like even nowadays, like art and PE and music are rare in public schools and just there's so much funding being cut from schools and just the, the things that children love to do are being cut and our school still has all those things and has environmental education and I mean I believe I strongly believe that this class is as, as important as math and as important as language and history because it's like how we're all we're part of nature so it's that's just how we're all connected and you can teach all those subjects in the garden you can teach them better you can teach measurement by measuring the plants how far space they are and you know so it's um you know I'm a strong advocate that it should be in every school, but it's it's really amazing that it actually is in this public school. And it's this was parent funded; the parents really wanted it, so wow. they they got the money together, they fundraised, and they had they created the position for an environmental education teacher because they felt it was important for mm -hmm. their kids. It is so unfortunate how uh, budget and policy can take away such important things to the educational system. Um, do you see how this could be scaled up into all elementary schools? Do you ever have fantasies about how it could spread? And Definitely. I mean, I also I look at where it's worked too. I mean, Alice Waters and the Edible Schoolyards program in Berkeley, that was a huge thing that was created now every Every I think every elementary school in Berkeley has mm -hmm. a school garden, and yeah. they might not have a garden teacher, but it's available to them. The kids can work in it, and the teachers can work in it if they want to. And then, um, you know, if there's lots of money out there now for for creating school gardens, there's lots of money in grants. I mean, I I spend a lot of my non-teaching time trying to get money so that I can um, enhance the program at the school. So. Um, I could definitely see it being scaled up as as long as the fundraising and the grant writing keeps keeps up, because it's not going to be a a high priority really because they're increasing class sizes, they're cutting funding for just you know books in the classroom or mm -hmm. just basic things. So it's it's hard to say like oh every school should have a garden, but if there were some kind of fund just for that, that would be. <laughs> the green fund. <laughs> yes. Well, I for one hope that uh, more and more schools bring this on as a very 
important part of the curriculum. Mm-hmm. I believe that it is. Um, so can you talk a little bit more about what you actually do with the kids in the garden mm-hmm. and uh, in the classroom and what your uh, process of teaching them is? Okay. Well, I teach first through fifth grade, so I teach a really wide range of kids. And like I said, this is my fourth year there. So the fifth graders now, I actually met them when they were in second grade. So that's been really cool to have this continuum with the same kids. I've really been able to build a relationship. They've got to see how the garden has changed and how they've impacted it. Um, so it just it does depend on the grade, but um, I can just give an example like my third graders who I had today. Um, I have different units with different grades, so um, right now we're doing a bird unit with, with my third graders. And so I usually, um, when they come in, to my and they actually come to my class, so I don't come to their class, they, they come to my class because, actually I didn't tell you this, one reason why I'm teaching at the school is I relieve the teachers of a certain number of students every day, so normally there's 40 kids in the classroom and two teachers. And I take seven kids from each classroom, and I visit three classrooms. So I'm relieving every teacher of seven children. Mm -hmm. So it takes their class size down from 40 to 32 or 33, which is a big difference because then Mm -hmm. they've got less kids and they can do more um, small group stuff with their classes. So so I take my group of 20 once a week, and um, we usually do an indoor lesson to start out with. And... um, it could be anything from, you know, it's usually whatever we're studying. So the unit I'm doing right now, for example, is on birds. And um, whatever I'm doing in the classroom, I, I want to try to connect it with what's going on outside. So if we're studying birds and looking at books and doing drawings, um, then I want to be able to take them outside so they can actually see maybe what they were studying you know so I take them outside with little notebooks and they can record their observations and we have hummingbirds living in the garden we have killdeer living in the garden they can like oh we learned about that in our lesson you know but they get to see it and it's not me showing them it's like they just get to sit and observe so that's kind of the lesson part and then that other half of the class is garden work so um, and that always depends on the season too like Right now we're kind of doing a lot of pruning because it's winter time, so we're getting the plants ready for for the spring, and um, we're using the greenhouse a lot, planting seeds, and 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 um, I also teach them a lot about natural pesticides because we have a big we're an organic garden, so we have a large slug problem. <laughs> so we we um, but it's cool because I could just be like okay, here's a plant. There's a slug on the plant, you know, and, and we could talk about it right there. It's not like they're just reading about it in a book. They get to see it. And Experiential learning is yeah, absolutely it's, the... It's right there in front of them. Yeah. They get to touch it and see it and feel it. So it's it's really amazing. So, um, so yeah, those are, those are kind of like the two main components of my of my job at the, at the the with the kids is like doing lessons and then doing outdoor garden work. Mm-hmm. How is it that you teach children about sustainability in particular? Um, <clears throat> well, it's interesting because I've like just introduced that word with my fourth and fifth graders mm-hmm. about being sustainable. Um, I think, I mean, 
kind of just being in the class is being is learning how to be sustainable because it's like I don't know if I per se teach them like specifically how to be sustainable but um but now you're giving me a good idea for lessons <laughs> um but it's like I do a lot of like lessons on not taking more than you need you know and um and what happens when when we do when mm-hmm. we've you know, and that could be anything from, um, you know, when poachers hunt elephants for their ivory and leave and waste everything else to talking about Native Americans and how they were sustainable and how they never took more than they needed and and then kind of comparing that to, you know, doing like a lesson on packaging where we, this is one thing, this is another thing, this has all this packaging on it that is unnecessary this is paper packaging, we can recycle it, you know, and like having, at one time I had them like bring all their lunches in and we talked about like, you know, it wasn't like pointing fingers at anybody, but it was like, oh, this is a reusable container. All this stuff has to go in the landfill mm-hmm. and um, talking about, you know, just recycling and composting so that less and less stuff goes into the garbage and into the landfill. So I talk about sustainability a lot because... I'm, I have a really, it's one of my big pet peeves, it's just the waste that's produced. Mm-hmm. And so I think that I've kind of, I hope I haven't made them OCD about it, <laughs> but I think I've instilled in them an awareness of like, wow, we really do produce a lot of waste and we, there's no reason that we have to mm-hmm. produce this much waste and because the, there's always things we can do. And kids talk about innovative kids come up with these ideas all the time oh we could use this to make this we could use this yogurt container to make a flower vase and I could give it to my mom and I could paint it like they come up with all these amazing ideas just off the top of their heads it wasn't like somebody told them what to do they just come up with it and for them it's fun Mm -hmm. to like create something new out of something that was just going to get thrown away Mm -hmm. so I think that's a really big part of the sustainability thing is talking about waste and ways to reduce it beautiful so clearly the garden is a fantastic place to learn about the natural ecological cycles uh, through compost and growth and all of that Uh, how do you highlight that process for the children Um, well every Friday we have a little market and um, whatever is available I have the kids harvest and it could be anything from like herb bundles to like lavender and rosemary that they tie up with string to actually selling seedlings, things they've started in the greenhouse. Um, and um, we actually did a, f- a food bank project two years ago where the kids, it was my fourth and fifth graders, and the kids um, went visited a food bank in Concord. And then they came back to the garden and they planted a bed of Swiss chard and the Swiss chard was harvested and was brought back to the food bank and they they got to give it to some of the mm-hmm. families and they never get fresh produce donations. Mm-hmm. They always get canned and sure. um, dry goods and stuff. So they got to like harvest it themselves, bring it over to the food bank and like hand it over to some families mm-hmm. and it was like the looks on their faces, you know, were like, wow, fresh produce and the kids were like, and we grew it ourselves and they were so proud, you know. And um, and talk about sustainable, you pick off a leaf, it grows back, you know. So they were like, oh, it's a, it grew back again, let's go bring it back to the, <laughs> to the families, you know. So um, 
Yeah, there's lots of ways to highlight it. I think the Friday market's a big thing. Um, and just also just like I tell them all the time how lucky they are to have this space, you know, and that it's just such a such an amazing place and it's magical and we need to take care of it, you know, and they, they love it. They really do love it. They love the garden mm-hmm. <laughs> and they love having it at their school, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, that's so beautiful. So you are a teacher that gets to come in and take children from their classroom and into another space. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that that makes you a pretty uh, popular teacher and an exciting part of <laughs> the kids' week. Yes. Um, that also means that there's probably some, or perhaps there's some amount of collaboration that happens with the teachers in the classrooms. How much do you spend time uh, explaining what you've been doing with uh, other teachers or collaborating with lesson plans or anything like that? That's a really good question. Um, Actually, not much. I can see how it would be really uh, a great idea and also something very difficult to actually follow through on. Um, But I just was curious yeah. if, if there was any space for that. In... Well, it's, it's, it's definitely like I have to be super proactive about it. The, the classroom teachers have their plans and their mm-hmm. things that they need to do, and it's a public school, so not only do they have to teach standards, but they have to teach to the test, mm. the START test. So That's really that's... interesting to be uh, a, a Montessori school and still teach to the, the public test. And it's really amazing because our scores are actually higher I'm than most. I'm sure they are. Yeah, so it's 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 really really interesting um, because we're not a school that teaches to the test because this is one test that every kid in the state has to take, and they all learn in different ways. And that's Montessori is that sure. they they get to choose the way they they best learn, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and it's usually hands on. That's the way kids like to learn. They like to touch things and feel things. Um, but going back to the teachers and collaborating, I did just finish a project with um, the fourth and fifth graders because um, one of the teachers, Denise, she came up to me and she said, um, I'm doing a Native American project with my history class and um, it's we're, we're learning about all the tribes native to the... Or, indigenous to the Bay Area and the kids are picking regions and and they're doing their own research could you do something about native plants and animals I said I'd love to you know and I ordered all these field guides and went to the library and and I did this project where I I not only taught them how to use field guides but taught them how to look on maps and find their area and, and find the plant we did medicinal uses of plants and uses of plants for ceremonies and what animals were important to them, not just for eating, but for, for all the other things they used them for. So that's another sustainability piece. So mm-hmm. that was beautiful because it was like, it wasn't like they just came to my class and it was like, oh, we have to do this for environmental ed. It was like, oh, this is for a history class too. Mm-hmm. So that was really, really cool. So whenever I do get to collaborate with the other teachers, I'm so excited because it's usually just me mm-hmm. coming up with everything. And just teaching the kids and it's so great when it's more of a collaborative thing because it's it just feels more like there's more buy-in you know absolutely when there's the integration between classes that can I think be a whole new level of learning exactly Mm -hmm. yeah it's really cool when that happens so at this point you've been there for four years Mm -hmm. Um, how has each year 
shifted the way that you teach what you teach and how have you grown in this process? I've grown immensely. I mean, um, and so is the garden. <laughs> just watching the trees and we measure the trees every year so it's just cool to see them you know, how the kids grow in comparison to the trees. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I haven't, like a lot of times I talk to teachers and they're like, oh, it's, it's I just, I'm doing the same thing over and over again. And it's not like that with environmental ed because it's like I focus on the things that are happening right now, like mm-hmm. the, the oil spill last mm-hmm. year, the earthquake in Haiti. You know, like we talk about the things that, that are that are happening right when they happen and it's that's really cool to to be able to have uh, a class that can just go along with like what's happening in the world you know what's happening with them so um yeah I feel like I said I feel really lucky to have my job and I feel like um like, I grow with the job, and I grow with the kids, you know? And, like, I ask them, what do they want to learn about? And it's just, like, there's just this huge topic of stuff, of, you know, like, mm. this breadth of stuff. And, um, you know, like, with the birds, like, the kids wanted to do birds, so we did, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel really lucky to be working at a public school, and I get to decide what I want to teach, you know? Absolutely. So. Absolutely. That is quite an opportunity for you and for the students. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. What do you feel is your ultimate goal for the students to walk away from your classroom understanding? Um, that's a really hard question because... Or what are some things, not the ultimate goal, that makes it more pressureful than it needs to be. <laughs> I think I think just probably um there like what I was talking about before how everything's connected. Mm-hmm. I think that that is such a cool feeling that like there cuz it's kind of like what's cool about being human is that you have this consciousness and you're like you can you're thinking about how you're connected with other stuff and kids are constantly doing that like they're oh I did that too you know just like I saw this movie last night I saw that movie too like they always want to make a connection Mm -hmm. and to have that connection be nature Mm -hmm. I think is just so cool that like oh, I helped that plant grow, and that plant that I harvested, that broccoli that I harvested for the Friday market, like, I helped take care of that, or we helped take care of that, you know? It's like they have a sense of, I think their sense of responsibility to the earth, their sense of stewardship, and just this, like, fundamental feeling that we're all connected. Mm-hmm. That's probably my my biggest thing. Mm-hmm. So true and so beautiful. I'm so grateful that you're getting to be able to help those children on that journey. Yeah. Um, and I think that just in the last many years, it's become such a greater possibility that a position like yours would exist. Right. Uh, 20 years ago, it would have been nearly impossible to find such a position. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope that we're moving into a place where it's inevitable. And, I know. Um, do you, what do you see as the trajectory for that being inevitable? Um, what would be necessary 
more to change <laughs> money. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, it's just mm-hmm. that's that's such a it's a bad thing to say, but it, it's the truth. Yeah. Especially with public schools, it's just like the f- we just keep getting budget cuts, keep getting budget cuts, and um, I mean, we just had a staff meeting last Wednesday saying that if we don't expand as a school, we're gonna lose our charter. Mm-hmm. Like we have to expand because more students means more money, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard to think about it like that. That yeah. each kid is worth ten thousand dollars. Every next other kid we get, we right. get ten thousand dollars of funding. Right. Um, but it's just, if, if, if people who are making these budget cuts could just come and see the looks on these kids' faces when they're out in the garden and learning stuff just from, literally from the ground up, it's, I think that it would change the way that they think about where the money should go, you know? Like... And I mean, the thing about gardens is you don't have to have a huge space. You could just get a pot, <laughs> put some <laughs> seeds in it. There you go. You have a lesson right there, you know. Right. So it's not like you need a big space. Like, I think people get kind of scared about stuff because they're like, oh, we just don't have the space. But it's, you know, get an old tire, get a bathtub, get mm-hmm. get whatever. Have, do coffee cups, like whatever you can do. Like, If there are some uh, inspired parents and teachers who are listening to us right now, what would you give as advice about how to bring in this sort of program to their school? Um, I would say don't do it by yourself. <laughs> get some help, get some friends, get a group of people that are inspired and, um, and, and willing to do the work. And um, just, like, I think go at it with a positive attitude, not like, oh, we need this, we need that, but just mm-hmm. like, how great would it be if we had a garden program even once a week for these kids, you know, just, um, I think, yeah, I think definitely, and, and, and get the teachers, like, just Google environmental education and just see the research on it, because it's just, it really, like, it makes such a difference in a kid's life, I think, to, like, mm-hmm be able to be outside or be able to learn about this stuff because they already have such an innate um, sense of curiosity about the natural world and if they're not able to like express it or explore things that I think they become scared mm-hmm. and they're like oh a worm or oh a bug or oh this or oh that but if they're just immersed in it, mm-hmm. it it's amazing what what can kind of blossom from it mm-hmm. so it's clear that you have great passion for the subject and that it seems as though you're in a position uh, where you're attaining great success at being able to transmit this knowledge to others. How has the, what have the ups and downs of the journey been? Are there times when this has been a really difficult job to pull off or has it felt just one day growing better and better? Definitely the former. <laughs> Definitely ups and downs. It's a roller coaster because some days I have amazing days where I feel like I really accomplished a lot with the kids um, and felt like they learned a lot. And other days I feel like, you know, sticking my head in the ground. <laughs> it's just like 
you know, the kids weren't having a good time or they were just acting up or my lesson didn't go the way I planned it or it rained or it was too cold, you know, because I'm dealing with the elements too. I feel like there's just a lot of um, unknowns in my job and um, I don't have my own classroom. I teach in the multi-purpose room, which is a portable building out on the blacktop. So I share my classroom with the art teacher, the music teacher, the resource teacher, and daycare after school. So I have this one little kind of corner in the room carved out, and that's my space for my students. And so when the weather is bad, I'm inside, and I mean, just today, vision testing, vision and hearing testing was going on in the room, and I had my 20 kids, and it was 38 degrees outside. I couldn't take them outside that early in the morning, you know, so I had to come up with something. So I said, we're going to watercolor our birds. <laughs> and it turned out great. So today was a really good day. And, um, cause I had an innovative idea and it worked, you know, but sometimes my ideas don't work and the kids are like, this is boring. And that pretty much breaks my heart because I'm like, Oh, they're one class that they had <laughs> this week. And now they think it's boring, you know? So there's definitely ups and downs. Um, I feel like my job could be split up kind of into like five different jobs because not only is there the teaching, there's the taking care of the garden. I also manage the recycling and composting for the whole school. That could be just one position in itself right there. Um, and because I am a credentialed public school teacher, um, I teach in the morning and then in the afternoon I do like literacy tutoring with the kids. So I work with like the low readers. So that's just a whole nother ball of wax really because it's not like I'm out in the garden I'm helping kids read mm -hmm. so it's like um, it's just a packed day mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a lot of stuff a lot of different stuff it does sound like you're wearing many many hats mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah um, thank you so much for talking with us yeah I am curious if you might have any wisdom for young professionals who are interested in sustainability and how to incorporate it into their lives regardless of what they do? Um, I think, and this is how I kind of got started, like volunteer, find an organization that just really interests you or maybe you have a friend that works somewhere or, you know, just volunteering at a garden or I think like just getting out there and getting connected with other people that, that have your same interest is like getting your foot in the door because mm -hmm. it's like as soon as you meet one person you've you've met you might meet the people that that person knows and then the chain just keeps going and it's, again it's like we're all connected we are. so <laughs> if you find somebody that shares your passion they can help you you know mm -hmm. and um yeah volunteering and just collaborating and trying to connect with other people that have the same passions mm-hmm do you have any questions you might encourage us to ponder? Um, like, I don't know, anything that we might, we being the, the general public, uh -huh. uh, about how to be uh, more conscious, more sustainable, more aware of the connections around us. Just any, any final thoughts, really. It doesn't have to be a question. Um, just... I think just being aware of your of yourself and your impact mm -hmm. on other people and the environment I think is like so important 
just being just being aware of of your kind of responsibility to be a stewardship or a steward to to the earth wonderful thanks so much for speaking with us today yeah, fun. thank you thanks to ketera ashfield for talking with us today find out more about her school at eaglepeakmontessori.org i am natalie forsyth this story was produced by myself alex kawashima and christopher gonzalez and directed by sue liebeck music courtesy of triplexity with support from plant trust preservation of land for agricultural needs sustainovation business for the world we share Silicon Valley Innovation Associates, and StarNet, harnessing the power of partnership. This has been Innovating Smart, bringing you stories of sustainability for tomorrow's innovators. Explore all of our stories at innovatingsmart.org.